Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Marketing Agility Podcast. It's a rainy Friday here in Boston. Roland, how are things on the West Coast? Things are really good. I'm looking forward to bringing you out here. The Sprint One event, I know we've been planning this thing for the better part of three or four months, and it's really come upon us quite quickly. Yeah, and I think we'll have a chance to share some of what we hear at that event in some upcoming podcasts, so look out for that. I think the thing we talked about is trying to record a little bit of it, if possible, and see what we can capture for people, if we can share it through the podcast as well, because I know that you and I have reached out to quite a few people about the event, but I know it's hard for some people. I've talked to so I just traded emails with someone in London today another person in Hamburg, Germany, and obviously they're not going to jump on a plane for one week for a one-day event. Especially when you get to stay in lovely Mill Valley. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm looking forward <laughs> to some warm weather. Today's guest is pretty exciting. I spoke at a Agile Marketing event a couple of years ago here in Boston, Mass Technology Leadership Council. With that, I met this today's guest, Brian Semple, who's the general manager and, and CMO at Smart Bear Software. Uh, he he also spoke at a Boston Agile Marketing Meetup and has written a few blog posts. Uh, we were supposed to talk to Brian last Friday. Unfortunately, we were not able to get on with him. And then we discovered on Monday there was a real reason for it. His company just got sold. So um, I think his exit was probably a little better than my last two exits. But uh, that's a story for another day. So without further ado, let, let's ring up Brian. Hey, Brian, you there? Hey, Frank, how's it going? Doing great. It's great to catch you. Finally connected, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know sometimes it takes a little bit longer than you think, but nevertheless, we're on the phone. Uh, Roland's on the phone as well. Hey, Brian, how are you doing? Hi, Roland. Hi, doing well, thanks. How about yourself? I'm um, great. Thanks for joining us today. Why don't we get started today? If you can share a little bit about what your role is at SmartBear. Maybe, and also maybe a little bit about what SmartBear does just for our listeners. Sure. So we do software quality tools for teams. So if you are a software developer or a software tester in the world, most likely you use one of our products and they range everything from open source API testing tool called SOAP UI. We're also the people behind the Swagger specification. And then we also have a bunch of commercial tools like Swagger Hub, Test Complete, alert site, QA complete. So everything to do around software quality, around API, UI, we're involved in. Can you give us a little sense of what your responsibilities are at the company and maybe a little bit about your team? Sure. So I'm the uh, chief marketing officer. I've been here for a little over three years. I came here from Dell where I advised the uh, CMO of the Dell software group how to do volume software models. So I came here to implement even more volume software models. My team is loosely organized around, I've got six teams basically that operate the various product lines that the company sells. And the organizational model we've used is to hire generalist marketers, put them out with product line teams, and then empower them to make the right decisions for how to go drive revenue. And we empower them with money, we empower them with analytics, and we empower them with decision-making so that they can go make you know, all the decisions they need to go drive the traffic trial, downloads, activations, and conversion numbers they need for their particular product line. So it's, uh, we're almost a collection of teams as opposed to a really strong centralized marketing work. So you've got what sounds like cross-functional teams that are focused. The business initiative in this case is the, is the product line. Before we get too much into how you're structured, I'm curious, can you just give us a little background on how did you come to Agile? We, we really had no choice, um, to be honest with you. So when I started here, they had the marketing team had already built something that they were trying to use inside of Salesforce to try to manage all the projects. And if you think about it, if you've got all these multiple 
product teams, as long as they're doing work inside of their own team, they can generally operate without much collisions. But because there's some shared central services, such as websites, graphics, graphic designers, et cetera, you have to figure out a way to go schedule the work. And then you also have to figure out a way to get a company-wide narrative going that is the summation of all these different pieces. So we, we found ourselves in a situation where we just had to be able to go coordinate what was going on across the, the six different product teams. And our engineering team was already using Jira. And so we looked into it, we're like, okay, well, this seems like this is a great way to organize ourselves into sprints, commit to the work, and then most, you know, most importantly, then schedule out what the work's going to look like for this sprint, the next sprint, and sometimes the following sprints. I literally just walked out of a sprint planning meeting right now. So can you give us a sense of what it looks like in terms of the number of concurrent scrums? Yeah, and, and ours, of course, is modified, right? So it's not as, we're probably not as pure play as an engineering team because, well, as you know, and in, in, sometimes in a, in a marketing org, there may only be one person that could do a particular task. I right. may not have six people that can go do the same task. So there's there's about seven or eight different scrums running at a, at a particular time. There's, there's scrums for each of the different product teams. And then there's uh, some running for, for example, the graphics team has one, the uh, web team has one, and the marketing operations team has one. There's also one for the corporate marketing team. So those are running in parallel. They're two weeks long. We originally experimented with three weeks, and that was just too long. We do a sprint planning session on the Thursday and Friday prior to the end of the sprint, and then we do a retrospective session on the uh, Monday or Tuesday after the sprint. And we've all got a pretty good idea of how many hours everybody can do, and we do a significant amount of trade-offs in those sprint sessions in terms of you know, people over, mostly overcommitting and having to go pull things out of the different sprints. So first off, the method you're using is Scrum, which is a little more prescriptive than, say, something like Kanban. And you're using Jira, which is really a tool built for engineers. One of the things that we've heard from marketers that we've talked to is sometimes more rigorous or robust methods like Scrum and more sophisticated tools like Jira can be hard for marketers to onboard into. So I'm curious if you can just talk a little bit about what made your team be able to kind of step into the tool set that an engineer might use and some of the more robust practices. The tool's pretty simple. I'd say we probably don't over-engineer it, right? So if I can go into any of the scrums or I can look at the entirety of the entire marketing process for the next two weeks, and basically people just put in the tasks for what they're going to go work on and what their estimated number of hours is for each of the projects they're working. We'll use epics as kind of a larger placeholder of a collection of work. So for example, if we're going to do a product launch, we'll, we'll group that in as an epic, and then we'll just list out a bunch of the tasks beneath it. I, it, to me, it's not that much different than, say, if you are running something with Microsoft Project, right? You kind of have, Microsoft Project sort of has large chunks of work that you divide up into smaller subtasks. To, to me, it feels like the same thing, except there's this very powerful time element to it where you put hours estimate and then you figure out what you can pack into a two-week sprint that you then go commit to. So from a sprint planning standpoint, it's one meeting, one sprint planning meeting for, for all of those individual scrums, like one big marketing planning meeting, or are you doing you know six or seven or nine individual, like are they concurrent individual sprint planning meetings? Yeah, we have a block of time set out on a Thursday afternoon 
and we run the teams through that session. So as one team is finished, we get on Slack and we tell the other team to walk in. Uh, and what that okay. does is, Con- yeah, what that do- sequential. Yeah, yeah. sequential. And what that does is there's a certain group of people that need to get visibility into everything that is going on. And they tend will tend to sit through all the sessions. I guess it's better to go first, right? Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> There's people that stay through the whole session, but you actually, if you're the uh, API team, you don't have to come into the room until we slack you. No, I, w- I was just saying from a resource standpoint, oh, yeah, if you're yeah, fighting yeah, yeah. over some shared resources, it's better probably to go first and get the commitments from people early well, in the session. The- the commit actually doesn't happen until uh, the end of the week. So, yeah, it is possible that you go into that session and you think you're going to get something done. <laughs> and then you find out later on that there's a, a conflict. Wow. So someone like you, you sit through the whole block of time? If I don't, I get yelled at. <laughs> but, yes, um, because ultimately if I'm not in there, sometimes there's conflicts that come up. So, yes, I have very strong people that, on my team that are kind of the, the directors of the group, and they will they generally run that. I will sit in there, yes. You know, quite frankly, it also gives you a chance to understand what your team is working on and are they spending, you know, is that next erg of energy going to go make a difference? The other thing I should tell you is the one the one problem we saw with the JIRA and sprint process is that if you're not careful, it takes you just way too far down into the weeds in terms of what's going on, even at the epic level. So layered on top of this, we're, we're also the Confluence user, which is their wiki product from mm-hmm. Atlassian. Mm-hmm. So we set marketing priorities in Confluence using tables. So I'll have a table that says, you know, one of the one of the marketing priorities for a particular team, let's say it's improve form conversion rates, right? Or let's yeah. say I give my web team that as a priority for the entire quarter. Then what we do is we then put columns for each of the months and I, I they then copy the Jira Epic number into those columns. So before we even get into the sprint, we back up and we say, let's go to your quarterly goal trackers, right? Okay. And let's see, make sure you've got epics that are in, underway to go map to those quarterly goals. Yes. And that's how but, we bring it up at an entire level before we get into the details of the so sprint. So you get, you make sure that your high-level strategy cascades to epics slash goals, which then cascade to a kajillion right. little tasks. And- Absolutely. And, and, and one goal one large marketing goal will tend to have multiple epics that uh, are assigned to it. So absolutely, and that's how we do. That's how we sure. do the goal cascading. Frank sounds a lot like our previous conversations about how people were using objective and key results, right? Yeah, and it's. I guess it's the whole point is that we've had this conversation with many marketers where, just because you're working in Scrum with shorter time horizons of two to four weeks, it doesn't obviate the need for for strategic planning. Right. And I, I probably should tell you that this, the sprint planning, when we go do the sprint planning sessions, the first things that the marketers bring up are their quarter to date results against the plan across a variety of probably 10 or 15 different metrics. So most of the work that's getting even prioritized in the sprint is based on what has to happen to go meet immediate quarterly goals. So it's a combination of looking at that and then looking at the broader marketing priorities that then helps us decide what should go into the, the sprint and quite frankly what should potentially get deprioritized because something else has come along that's that's even more important. Well, it must be interesting for you to sit through the that that block of time and kind of see things going sequentially and get that feeling of what's going on. So we run a high volume marketing operation. We probably get, uh, I don't know, 20, 30,000 trials a week wow. across lots and lots of different product lines. 
So there's no easy answer to how to gr- keep growing the business week after week. And but but sitting through both looking at the metrics and watching them then go take action in terms of, you know, the activation rates are low. Here's what we're going to do in the next sprint to get prioritized to go fix that. Mm-hmm. Once you get that process going, it's great. So can I ask you a tongue in cheek question, which is I had a friend a number of years ago work for Cisco and they, they would have these quarter these quarterly planning meetings and they just they describe them as fight club you know because people will come in and kind of you know get into these knockdown drag out brawls over resources and decision making i mean can you describe the tone and tenor of these meetings is it pretty you know is it collegial does it get heated at times is it well the key is to not build up a central resource pool that people have to share have to fight over the key is to distribute all the resources out to the teams that need it. And the only time you need a central pool is when. So I have some product groups, for example, cross-browser testing is one of the smart bear product lines. It has its own site. It actually has its own webmaster and its own creative person that is on that product team. Okay. So there is no fighting over that resource. That product team knows how to go allocate that resource as it's needed. Whereas so, in other cases, the right. graphic designers may be shared. So, so there's a secondary problem there about then how do you keep those teams, those small cross-functional teams in alignment with each other? So are you doing sort of cross-team meetings to keep folks in sync with each other? Or do they need to be? Yeah, so it's two things. One is they don't necessarily need to be, right? Um, but where they need to be are things like uh, uh, physical events. They need to be together, right? Right. Product launches, we need to all be together so we understand what's going on. And then the other trick of what we do here is in the Jira Confluence um, integration, um, Confluence has a calendars feature. And our Jira tasks are flagged that if I have a Jira task to, say, issue a press release on this day, I can put a date in the JIRA task, and it shows up in Confluence calendars. So we have a beautiful marketing calendar that's a summation of all the important JIRA tasks. So that's how we get we stay coordinated. We, it's it's kind of like, you six, seven teams, you guys just keep going as fast as you can, and then we'll percolate everything up and see how it all fits together and tell the story and how it fits together. So that's so it's, it's a balance between not slowing them down. Gotcha. Um, yep. and, but, but getting a visibility of what's happening. Because you're not going to have seven PR teams, right? Do you, have, Correct. Do you, you probably have one. I one. have one PR team, and that's actually what they yeah. use is they use that calendar. So that allows them to identify potential bottlenecks or at least give people fair warning that, okay. Correct. Yep. It, at a macro level, there are, there are a few macro level items that are, that are priorities that are going to take precedence. And I guess that's when, as long as people are aware of the date, the dates are on the calendar. Everyone's aware of the calendar. They see it coming weeks or months ahead of time. It's not a surprise. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, as you've been employing Agile, how has your practice evolved? And were there any things that you ran into that just really weren't working for you and that you had to throw out? Yeah. So we tried three weeks. We moved out to two weeks. And that was because it was just too long. You know, one of your business customers comes over and says, we need this. And you say, well, we just started the sprint. Talk to me again in three weeks. That does not work. So we moved to a two-week sprint cycle. The other thing that did not work is we, at one point, we centralized all the resources. And we were using Agile to schedule all the centralized resources, right? So it was kind of an approach where we had a 
almost project leads on each of the teams and then they would put in requests to the central team for email marketing and and uh you know pay-per-click help and graphics kind of a classic marketing org agency and shared services model. agency shared so we you know sort of, we were yeah we got that far a little bit too much and <laughs> And the problem you end up there is you end up with a bunch of people that feel like they're just at the end of the ticketing system yeah. and they just ticket, ticket, ticket all day. And it's it doesn't make for a lot of employee happiness. And yeah. it also shifts the, a little bit of the balance of power from yeah. where it needs to be, which is out with the product lines, to yeah. this central resources team. You lose some of the cut that empowerment. You use that word really, really, really oh, yeah. early in the conversation. And I think that's a key part of what most people talk about with an agile team is giving the te- putting the power in the hands of the team to go and organize and, su- and self-determine. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So talk, let's talk about results, right? Because we do care about results. You've mentioned that a few times. I mean, how do you, when you look at agile in your marketing team and your CEO comes to you and says, well, what is this agile thing? And how is it, how has it helped you guys get better results? So one is it, it prevents us from over committing theoretically, right? Because we can sit there and see the number of hours people are going to go work. Second, it gives us a framework for trade-offs. So if it's like, well, I need to go do this, then we can sit here and say, well, we can't do these other things, right? Unfortunately, most of those trade-offs are directed at me because I'm always saying I want to do these eight things. And people come to me with very rational arguments to say, well, we only have time for these these three. And, and of the three you want to go do, by the way, one of them doesn't even drive the results that you were complaining about that we weren't getting last week. So we're only going to do these two. And I'm like, okay, all right. So it really helps with prioritization. And then I think ultimately it's, are we getting, are we getting the business results required? Yeah, you, it avoids you from, from the epic cram down coming from above, I guess. Well, it doesn't avoid it. It, 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 it gives you a framework for dialogue because, you know, a marketing team is, is very much like an engineering team. Yeah, it's a bunch of people. They're sitting there crunching along on deliverables. Um, you have X amount of resources that, that can go, that are available to go do it, and you got to go prioritize yes. and make sure everybody's going in the right direction. So, do your colleagues in um, the C-suite know much about your practice, and do they care? Do they have to care? That's a great question. They are. They're probably more aware of the metrics, planning, and goal setting process because that's what they see on a weekly basis. They're aware that we run in sprints. Um, I think that in general, if you're not in the sprint process, it can sometimes be seen as a excuse for why you can't get something done. Yeah. And I think it takes some explanation to explain, look, we can get that done, but we've got to however, not do yeah. this then. Yeah, however. And, I, and I, yeah. Go, I go, it's the same discussion that you have with the engineering team. Which they don't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which no one likes. Where do you see this agile model going with your team now that you've got new owners and maybe slightly different optimization model for your business? I don't actually see a change. I mean, I, if anything, it's going to go expand. The uh, acquisition to Smart by, by Francesco Partners, I mean, they're bringing to the table a certain amount of expertise in how to grow mid-market companies. They bring a lot of M&A experience. So I you know, would not be surprised to see us do some acquisitions. And we'll, as we go through that process, we'll either expand our use of Agile or if we acquire a company that's doing it differently and and we think the way they're doing it's better, then we'll 
will absorb what they're doing into our process. So, Great. yeah, I don't, I don't see any major changes. I think it's 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 the only way we've been able to go organize the work streams and keep everybody going in the same direction. No, I mean this has been really helpful, Brian, to hear um, how you're making it work at a um, a pretty good sized company. And to be frank, we don't talk to that many companies that are set up in a way where they've got. Um, a large number of cross-functional teams. A lot of marketers that we talk to are still working in the functional silos, and they're trying to embrace yeah. an agile model that'll make it work with that reality. So it's just interesting to hear from somebody who who's on the other side of the fence. Who I guess the, the the question underneath this is: Did you actually make the transformation in terms of did you restructure your team, or was it more that you just were? sort of cross-functional small a set of small cross-functional teams from the get-go no we, we restructured it because we, we again we started to have this kind of shared services thing which i which yeah. i just never wanted to get into and i found myself backed into it and as soon as i saw that was just not the way to go um so this moved. is something yeah that we hear mar- marketers really struggle with what was this what helped you succeed or go through that restructure process I have been in enough smaller companies that have been acquired by larger companies that I had seen central marketing crush the innovation of the innovation and everything else about the, the advantage of having small teams run marketing, right? You get acquired by a larger company and it's like, well, we're going to do this for you from now on or put tickets in to go do this, right? So I had seen how larger companies acquiring smaller companies really ruin the small team spirit. And if you look at startup companies, one of the reasons why startups win is because they're small, they're agile, they can go move fast. So as I watched Smart Bear expand and we acquired additional companies, uh, we acquired cross-browser testing, we acquired Swagger, we let them run as independent teams. And the more I saw that happen, I'm like, okay, this is the way we've got to operate because we are going to be acquiring other companies. And we have to be in a situation that we can let people run as independent teams and get all the goodness that you get from having a small number of people that are focused on a particular goal. And I concluded that was the only way this is going to go work. And in fact, there was no way even from a staffing standpoint Mm -hmm. could I make a central model work because it was going to require too many email marketers, too many ways. It it was not going to work. So almost by necessity, I had to go to this point where I operate this way. And the one of the main advantages of it is is that I can easily add people to teams if I want to go put more resources against the product line. And I can also subtract and redeploy people if we want to do it and we, if we want to reduce the number of people on a team versus a central services model where you could have a product line that's a slow growth product line that you're not interested in doing that much investment in, completely consuming your SEO person. Right, because right. they get the tickets in first, mm-hmm. and and it's like it's that's not the way. It's not the way you want to operate. So by necessity, we had to go that way. Yeah, and you want to be able to make the decisions rather than have the decisions made by either brute force or who's the best buddy or some other some other non. The squeaky wheel. I exactly. see the squeaky wheels over there getting the resources. I'm like. I don't want that. I don't want that product line with the resource. <laughs> we can get some, but I want you working on this. And it's just well, Brian. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Maybe we could have you back on in a few months when the dust settles on your end. But anyways, out to our listeners out there. Just as a reminder, you can find Marketing Agility Podcast at AgileMarketingBlog.com as well as on iTunes and SoundCloud. 
if anyone wants to, to connect with us and has a story to tell, wants to share what they're, how they're trying to make Agile work in there, you can reach out to Roland at rsmartly on the Twitters or myself at Tangy Slice on Twitters. Uh, Brian, thank you for joining us today. Nectar, please stay Agile.